0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Hello and welcome to Noise in Brief, PR Week UK's fortnightly podcast series where we discuss the biggest industry news stories from the past week in a bite-sized format. I'm Siobhan Holt, News Editor of PR week UK. Joining me today is John Harrington, the Editor of PR week UK, and reporters Eliza Radu and Evie Barrett. Hello, everyone. Hi, Siobhan. So, has everyone recovered from the fun and frolics of PR360 last week? For those of you that don't know, PR360 is a two-day conference run by PR week UK, which took place last week in beautiful Brighton. The event was well received by the industry, and there were some great presentations and discussions on key issues impacting the comms sector. So what sessions caught your attention, John?
0: Well, I went to a couple of sessions about AI. It was a theme that kind of ran through quite a few sessions. I recommend listening, by the way, to last week's Beyond the Noise podcast from PR Week, where we looked at this issue in depth. But what I got from the speakers at PR360 was a real sense of urgency, actually, about AI, There was Kerry Sheenan, who's Head of Service Development and Innovation at the UK Civil Service. She's a comms and AI expert. She warned that PR is, quote, sleepwalking into AI. She warned the sector is at risk of being left behind. There was another speaker, Marcus Beard, who is the UK government's Head of Misinformation and Monitoring during the height of the pandemic. He spoke of the, as he put it, explosive impacts that generative AI is having on online misinformation. In terms of both the quantity of misinformation and how convincing it can be, something happening on a scale far beyond what we saw in the COVID crisis, he said. He also said, like Kerry, that PR needs to accelerate how much it gets involved in AI to help counter this information. There was an interesting point too from Simon Creer, who's comms director at Royal Town Planning Institute. Simon said PR needs to really explain to budget holders what it does And the value it offers. Otherwise, AI, as he put it, is coming for our jobs. And I wrote a comment on this this week about how I think it, it feels like make or break time for PR and AI, really. The misinformation explosion is a real opportunity for comms, but it needs to focus, invest and sell itself. Otherwise, the industry risks being left behind. It's worth saying there were also comments across the two days about the limitations of AI when it comes to things like creative campaigns and writing press releases. So... You know, there was no sense that your job is at risk tomorrow or the day after from AI. There is still a bit of a way to go, but there were certainly important points being made about it. And the industry needs to pay attention, I think.
1: Absolutely. I think that seemed to be the message across the board, wasn't it? From all of them that there's time for the PR industry to get on this and learn the lessons quickly. Because I think it was Kerry said in hers that PR can be quite slow sometimes at picking up on this new technology and that they need to adapt quickly.
0: Yes, yes. It was a really interesting point. In the article, I, write, I kind of made the point that although that's true, in recent years, PR has been quite good at picking up on new service areas. I mean, you look at how much PR has got involved in ESG, but the purpose debate, influencer marketing, and so on. I mean, this is an industry that in recent years has been pretty good at adapting. Mm-hmm. And I think this might be one of the biggest challenges when it comes to adapting of this age. So, such an important issue.
1: Absolutely and obviously all these are reported on on PR Week.
0: Yes have a look on the website PRweek.com this week and yeah take all this info in there's loads
2: of it.
1: So Eliza what talks did you enjoy at PR360?
2: Well I enjoyed listening to Nicola Pearson speak she's the comms director at British Airways so during her presentation she basically went through a new change of approach for the business. She said that now they're a completely different company with different focuses. And she went on to saying in the past, they were a corporate faceless, non-human brand, but now they wanna make a conscious effort to change that. During her talk, she focused on several things, one of them being internal comms. And one thing she said, which I found interesting was, all middle managers should be singing from the same hymn sheet. She also talked about celebrating staff and making sure that they're at the forefront of the business. She also discussed some new policies. Recently in January, British Airways revealed a new uniform for the first time in 20 years. What they did, which I found interesting, is they told their staff first and gave the press release to the press under embargo for the next day. So when the story was released, internally, everyone already knew about what was happening.
1: Yeah, I also saw this presentation with Nicola and she sort of explained that the way they had released the press release, it was quite a clever way of combining internal comms and media relations, because what they'd done was they'd sent out the press release, but they'd done it at 7am. And so it wasn't picked up for print. And it allowed them an opportunity then internally to tell their staff about the uniform changes. And it was quite a clever technique really because they were able to tell the staff so they felt included. It was then picked up online and then the next day they got press coverage. So yeah, it's a clever way of doing internal comms mixed with media relations.
2: She also spoke about new social media guidelines and these were updated in February. British Airways wanted to give their staff more freedom and she believes that the staff's experiences at work are much more valuable than anything they could pump out so it was like good PR for them but it was also unintentional.
3: Yeah I went to a session with Alex Dory from Ovo Energy and she made a really similar point about the social media thing. She said that Ovo is trying to give staff more freedom when it comes to communicating with customers online through social media. They're trying to refine their tone of voice a bit and not script the staff so much and use a rigid structure because they want it to come across as authentic and give the customer care communicators more freedom seeing as they're on the front line and representing the business. So yeah, I think that's the personality of the brands has to come across a bit more nowadays.
0: It's interesting because it almost feels like a bit of a throwback because I I remember when brands started doing social media first, it felt like there was the cliche of you give it to the young people who know how to use social media and there was this sense of sort of lack of guidelines and, you know, maybe something much less professional than what we know now. And then I think a lot of corporations got nervous and then they had very strict sort of guidelines and so on and protocols for social media. And now I wonder if there's a sense of... That's gone a bit too far and you need to somehow kind of have somewhere between the two where you do have personality and the ability to sort of react in a human way. But at the same time, having guidelines so it doesn't go too far. So, yeah, I wonder if that's going to be a theme for for social media managers.
2: I would agree because authenticity seems to be really important in the social media space. So it'll be interesting to see how the staff members at each business react to that.
1: Was there any sessions that you enjoyed, Evie, that caught your attention?
2: Yeah,
3: another one that I thought was really good. There was one about the use of comedy in PR campaigns and it essentially asked, has PR become too serious? And the director of comms from the charity Shelter, Osama Buta, actually answered that directly and he said that he thinks PR has become too serious. It's kind of understandable that brands could be scared of causing offence And also, seeing as the current climate is quite downbeat, just come out of the pandemic, obviously, cost of living. He was saying that it makes sense that brands could be apprehensive, but that actually now is a good time to inject some humour into your campaigns. And he showed an example from last year that I'm sure a lot of people saw. It was cost of living tips from shelter, and it was just ridiculous things like cancel your Netflix subscription and work more hours. And these were actually suggestions that the government had made. So I think with that in mind... His advice was, if you're worried about causing offense, don't make fun of people who are less powerful than you, either punch up or make fun of yourself. I thought that was quite good advice. That seems like a good way to go. And I think like people might not expect that kind of approach from a charity. They might expect the kind of serious emotive stuff, but I think using comedy is effective for most brands, I would say, or it can be, I mean, not in all instances. Aisha Jefferson from Deliveroo, global head of consumer comms, actually gave an example of a campaign where she thought comedy didn't quite land. It was specifically the use of irony. She didn't name the brand involved, but she said that a beer brand introduced a pink product for women on International Women's Day and people didn't understand it. And they had to use hashtag sarcasm to kind of explain that it was a joke. And I think generally... If you have to do that, then it hasn't worked as a campaign. Let's move on now then to the
1: news this week. And let's chat about the challenges that this morning's facing. Eliza, you've been looking into this.
2: So Philip Schofield departed from this morning on Saturday. There's been reports that his relationship with Holly Willoughby, his co-presenter, has started to deteriorate. And there's also news about Philip's brother who was convicted for sexual assault recently.
1: So this is becoming a bit of a big comms challenge for ITV and this morning in particular. I mean the show's been on air for over 34 years of which Philip has been presenting for over 20 of those years and he's helped the show win numerous awards for the broadcaster including a BAFTA. I mean it's one of ITV's biggest shows so they want to get the response right on this one. So what has ITV said so far?
2: So on Monday Alison Hammond and Dermot O'Leary paid tribute to his career and announced his departure. However, audiences were a little upset that they didn't go into more of a discussion because nothing was really said and nothing was addressed. They basically glossed over the issue and many comms professionals believe ITV needs to act more decisively. The newspapers have been covering Philip and Holly for a few months now And most of it's been negative. So it's a bit shocking to see ITV hasn't jumped on it beforehand. A comms professional said that ITV should be monitoring the sentiment of the public and should be addressing this issue externally because it's important to have their perspectives as the broadcaster. They should also maintain their clarity and be consistent because they've not really discussed much on it and it's a bit hush hush at the moment mm-hmm. but at the moment everything around their comms is a bit ambiguous and people want more of a definite answer going forward
3: fair enough yeah i did think it was a bit of a, a strange response as obviously they know all eyes are on them they kind of did that picture tribute thing but scenes as Philip gofield didn't even get a, a send-off show or anything it, it doesn't really seem like that's the end of the story
0: It's probably a sense of, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. People have been sort of speculating as to what may have been happening sort of furiously. And maybe ITV just can't say anything for reasons that we don't know. Maybe something will come out, maybe it won't. So I think it's a difficult one for ITV. They obviously feel conflicted about how to mark Philip's departure. So it might prove to be a kind of sensible approach that they've taken or not it feels like a kind of wait and see one to me yeah, yeah. it's a difficult it's too challenge early to say, isn't yeah it, the I think it's yeah. a difficult challenge for for ITV certainly
1: so what's going to be next then for this morning what do we know so far
2: so Holly is taking a short holiday but will continue to be a co-presenter for this morning until a replacement is announced and Philip will be hosting the British soap Awards on ITV next Saturday okay. So
1: back to the work here at PR Week, we've been particularly busy these last few weeks sharing PR Week UK's top 150 consultancies project. For those of you who are not aware, the project includes a ranking table of the UK's 150 biggest PR agencies, as well as other ranking tables from different sectors, such as consumer PR, plus features on big themes. All the top 150 articles are exclusive for subscribers and are available to read on prweek.com now, so don't miss out. But what big themes or trends surprise you, Evie?
3: So I wrote a feature about the expectations and demands of clients from agencies. And I was quite surprised to see actually almost seven in 10 PR agencies found that clients expected more for their money in 2022, which I suppose it makes sense in a way because their budgets are squeezed with the cost of living crisis. They're wanting to get as much work as they can. But I think when everyone's in that position, clients can't really ask more agencies are going through the same struggles so agencies said that they'd been struggling to change their workload in line with the reduced budgets especially because of the pandemic there was obviously more contact not face-to-face but in terms of zoom calls and emails during that time whereas now agencies don't have the capacity to do that quite as much but it's still being expected from clients So as a result of stuff like that, 40% of the agencies that were surveyed for the top 150 said that they'd surrendered at least one account in 2022. The most popular reasons were usually because clients were being too demanding or acting inappropriately. Some agencies even said they'd experienced bullying or a lack of respect from clients, which is quite disheartening. That's really bad, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, others gave more straightforward reasoning. They just said that the accounts were retired because they weren't profitable anymore or didn't suit their vision. There was one comment which I liked. An agency said, quite frankly, some accounts just suck your soul. This is not why we come to work. So I suppose there's a range of reasons why the relationships might break down, but the unkindness from clients isn't something that you'd necessarily expect.
1: No and as I say it's it's not the reason why people come to work yeah it's it's quite shocking that really that bullying and lack of respect for reasons listed.
3: Yeah I mean it's it's a tough time for everyone but I don't think that's an excuse. Yeah absolutely.
0: It strikes me that when we ask this question most years we get a certain proportion of agencies reporting these things and I think it should also be said that There are a lot of clients who might have issues with some of their agencies as well. So I don't, it's not like it's a, it's a one way street this, because, you know, relationships can break down on both sides, but I definitely get the impression that there was more of it in 2022. And, you know, we've, we've also started to hear about, you know, more tension as, as things get difficult in more recent times as well in the first quarter and since this year. So that's something we'll be looking at, I'm sure, but it, it sort of seems to be symbolic or instructive about the difficult times at the moment.
1: Mm. And I think as well, did some not say that expectations of more interaction, so Zoom calls, emails, and I suppose having that during lockdown probably was easier to do than maybe now as we're back out in the world again. There's more meetings, there's more time, there's more things that maybe they have to also work on as agencies.
3: Exactly. Um, Yeah, I think we're still all adjusting back to normal life, even though it kind of seems like COVID was... A long time ago now, there's still those kind of relationships which need to be renegotiated. Mm.
0: Yeah, it strikes me clients probably shouldn't expect the same amount of kind of real focused attention that they had during the height of the lockdown when everyone was at their computer the whole time and no one was going to meetings and no one was really doing much else outside of their work and screen time uh, and family, you know, poor family business. So, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting time
1: one more thing for your diary this week the winners of PR week's best places to work awards will be announced on Thursday so keep a lookout for that news coming soon okay that's it for this episode noise and brief goes live every two weeks in the meantime look out for our beyond the noise podcast next week thanks to John Eliza and Evie and thanks to you for listening goodbye